0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. Thank I you. I want to remind you that you asked me if you could come on, so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. Just drop the fishing line. No, no, resounding no, love yes, it. <laughs> resounding yes. I'm all I'm
0: all here for directness. Bang! 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 Bang on! Hello? Hello? Hello. Happy 250th to you. Happy 250th to you. Feels like I'm climbing upstairs. Happy 250th to bang bang on on. key change.
2: Happy to how many, please? Oh, sorry.
0: (laughs) Bang on. Bang on. Happy 250th to you didn't rehearse that. (laughs) 250 (laughs) weeks, episodes of Banging On About Music, Art, Life and Stuff. It's incredible. Just incredible. Um, Happy anniversary to you and to our beautiful Bang fam who've been with us, whether it's for five minutes, five years, five days. You're always welcome. Five centuries. (laughs) Five centuries. Uh, We have a very special guest dropping by soon, something that we don't do often on Bang On. No. But she is part of our beautiful Bang Fam. It's a rare treat. Mm. You've heard her before mm. on Bang On a while ago, though. Yeah. That's all I'll say. She'll be dropping by soon. Um, and also, you have finished Succession Miff.
2: Oh, uh, yes, finally. I got caught up um, and got addicted again, re-addicted, which was nice. <laughs> it takes – it. sometimes I dip in and out and I lose I, – I lost my love, I think. I was like, Gojo, Waystar, Royco, all that. I was like, I've had enough of you guys. Like, it's just the same old issues over You're and over You got sick of watching boardrooms on television. I pretty much did because like <laughs> I think I said on a previous Bang On, like everyone goes, there's this great scene in Succession. It's just like a whole bunch of dudes holding computers. Or phones, Like, that's essentially <laughs> all it is, walking in and out of boardrooms. Um, But, no, I did. I fell back in love, which was nice. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to talk about that at the end of the program. It's going
0: to be a bonus bang, so don't worry. Don't be like, ah, grab your phone. I've got to stop it. I don't want any spoilers. If you haven't yet watched all of Succession, uh, I know a few of you are still getting through it, then don't worry. We're going to put it at the very end of the episode. Can we kick off Bang On this week, though, with a shout-out to the Queen? <laughs> Kylie back with a vengeance, a song that is getting stuck in everyone's heads, filling TikTok feeds, climbing up the charts. Never underestimate Ms McNoge. No. She is an absolute queen. God, this is a good song. It's gorgeous.
2: put Padam. means your heartbeat, doesn't it?
0: Um, well, I think it can mean whatever you want it to mean, which is it? the beauty of a perfect pop song. Mm. A, a word that doesn't necessarily make sense can be uh, interpreted in any way you want. Mm. What else could it be? Mm-mm. Well sexual. It is Pride Month at the moment, <laughs> and I think a lot of people are taking it whatever way they want to. Kylie's gays
2: have been celebrating this new single for, for a couple <laughs> of weeks now. Um I know a lot of them and they're very excited. Very, very excited. I just use it
0: as a greeting now with my gay mates. Mm. Padum? Padum.
2: <laughs> oh, padum. It's padum. a hello. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's a hello. That's beautiful.
2: Um and also Danny's back in the news as well, oh which my God. is extraordinary.
0: If you haven't heard yet. could easily live in the 90s.
2: This is the theme to her new television show, though, that's out in the UK, which I have actually seen. Oh, I, right. I Kissed a Boy. I went to the launch of I Kissed a Boy. Oh, amazing. In Liverpool. Danny was there, of course. Was that
0: around Eurovision? Like yeah, they were tying it in? Eurovision. Again, perfect. Well, because where
2: are all the um, influential gays? Yeah. <laughs> They're in Liverpool for <laughs> they Eurovision, know what they're doing. and yeah. so she launched it in Liverpool, and um, we all went along. And it was, it was, it's actually a fabulous television show. Just been re-signed on. I'm not sure. I think it's BBC Four. Just been re-signed, and they will have another series, which is I Kissed a Girl. Great, and it's the first time that it's been a um, a gay dating show in the UK, and I suspect anywhere in the world, to be honest. Mm. So, and it's a gorgeous show. It's got real heart and it's, it's beautiful. I loved it. I was really into it, but I love reality TV. So.
0: You do. You absolutely do. I love Danny as well. I met her a couple of years ago and um, she's just a shining light and also tiny. Mm. She's a tiny bird woman. She is. Like in a nice way, but yeah. very petite. Oh, well, her, there's and, a reason, her and Kylie. There's a reason she has her own petites range. She's but, tiny. Oh, she does too. <laughs>
2: She's smaller than you. (laughs) That's right. I know. She's amazing. I mean, they're they're all amazing. But it it says something, I think, about the enduring – nature of the Minogue's I, I, I can't quite put my finger on what they're tapping into forever and
0: constantly. Everyone just loves them. I think they understand their audience and I mean we talk about their queer audience, which is mm. huge, but also when I was thinking about Kylie Minogue and thinking about the kind of tones that are going on with this new single and what the new album's going to sound like, it reminded me of, you know, slow era mm. Kylie. She's done this before in terms of electronic music, but her last record was a disco record. Two records before that she Was doing a country album. She's made indie records. She's of course made a lot of pop albums, and she does whatever she wants. But also is a chameleon and tries on different hats. But at the center of everything that she does, she's Kylie. You know, we love Kylie. Obviously, in Australia, we've got a huge buy-in with Kylie. She's our Kylie. But there's something about her that um, is very—I don't know. I don't want to say girl next door because I feel like I hate that term. But I feel like it's a bit dismissive. But you just feel like there's an openness and a um, a laid-backness about her that she's able to kind of tread that line of being an absolute icon of music, a queen, not a diva as such, but Mm. like in that kind of realm, but also like someone that you'd see down the pub and have a chat with. And I think Mm. that that endearing who who she is um, endears her to people time and, and time again. And she also just continues to make absolute bangers, you know. She's climbing up the charts at the age of 55 as a pop female artist, which is a friggin' rarity. We talk about that all the time, about the invisibility Absolutely. of women over a certain age. And in pop music, it gets worse and worse. Well, Tina Arena spoke about it in a very famous speech
2: that she did at the Arias about the invisibility of a woman over 40 and the difficulty that most women have trying to get into the charts or even getting airplay on not just commercial radio, but youth radio. I mean, they're not getting airplay on any of those stations and here's Kylie somehow managing to slide on in there and still doing it. And and it defies, it defies all logic. I don't think the logic's good. I think we should have far more women over a certain age on all radio stations. However, Kylie seems to defy whatever's been set
0: She's a hard worker too, isn't she? Mm. She's always hustling. Yeah. Oh, she's got the wines. She's got the wands. Yeah. She knows her audience. <laughs> she's got the Have you ever seen the Kylie um, Manchester range? No.
2: <laughs> she's uh, what three? I'm not going to say anything about it, Just like cotton. No, I
0: think it's all pr- d- d- synthetic fabrics. But there's a lot of razzle dazzle. <laughs> it's like it's interesting. I Think my eyes has it. <laughs> my. Ki-
2: ma. Ma.
0: Kylie. <laughs> It's sort of, yeah. Anyway, I won't say anything more about it, but that's. um... I love you. (laughs) Ma, Kai. I love that. Anyway, uh, very excited, very excited for the new album, Tension. <laughs> and Kylie, if you're listening to this, um, please take five with me. I really want you to do it. Yeah, I'm now sure. just saying it on the podcast. Yeah. She's done it for radio. I know she's
2: done it for radio. I was, I was thinking that, but you need her for the TV. You
0: need her for the television. You
2: need her. Come on, Kylie. You're uh, home now. You live in Melbourne. Let's do this. <laughs> she
0: does most of the time um, when she's not hanging out, making amazing videos. On that, though, I love the, the way that TikTok has embraced this song. It is the perfect song for TikTok, but also the video clip. People have been recreating the video clip, which mm. if you haven't seen it yet, jump online and check out Padum Padum. She's basically in, I think she just released a behind the scenes video of the making of it actually. I think she's in a, um, an old motel in Sun Valley, a place in the States. It's kind of run down. She's got this sort of long draped red cloth flowing behind her, lots of choreographed dance. Mm. Um, very cool. And some people who work in like a spotlight type store, a fabric Aww. store <laughs> in the UK, I love this already, and they're all well and truly middle-aged. Yeah. Um, very, you know, normies, and they're there, and they've got the reams of red cloth, whatever type, and they're recreating the whole thing um, in their spotlight. It I is need incredible. To see <laughs> this.
2: Sorry, recreation of
0: Kylie's padam, What? What else do I need to put in? Uh, cloth. Cloth. I don't know if it's spotlight. What's the cloth store in uh, in the UK? Clegg's no, that was Australia. Cleggs. That's a deep, that's a deep <laughs> Melbourne reference. Clegg's yeah. Clegg's
2: great font. Clegg's was the
0: fancy fabric. Fancy fabric. Spotlight was basic. Cleggs was like, oh, okay, she's mm. really gonna make an outfit. Let's go to Clegg's. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> she's got making something
2: for her, Deb. <laughs> she's going to Cleggs. <laughs> I can't find any recreations. I'll put it in the show notes. Please do. You'll never
0: find it. Oh yeah, good
2: point. Send me send me a link on my phone, please. I'll send you a link. Thank you.
0: Hey, it's time. And what a lovely surprise it is to welcome back to the Bang Fam, host of ABC Melbourne Mornings, legendary journo and part of the Bang Fam for many, many years. Virginia Trioli's is in the house. Hey, or hello. Should, or
1: should we say DJ Trigger? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's ne- how we know you. At, it's at, never taken off. Bang on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm dis- you're always deeply disappointed. DJ Trigger was great. That was, was one heck of a mock-up. and no one backed it. You, you guys backed it. Thank yeah. you. No one else did. You DJ'd one of our. If, if people don't know, you DJ'd
2: one of our very special bang on lives. I did a couple of years ago. No, it was pre-pandemic. No, I'm sorry.
1: It was five
0: years ago. I'm pretty sure it was 2018 it? in Melbourne. Oh, oh god. But really? time is, has no meaning as we no. realised. It was a crunched. great
1: list. I remember that was mm. a good set of songs. And you have a heck of an audience. It was wonderful. And then we all laughed like drains later on as we. Stage. <laughs> it was beautiful. It's
0: great to have you back. I can't believe it's been that long. And the catalyst for this is because uh, last week, of course, we reported on the return of Kim Cattrall to Sex and the City for the reboot and just like that. It's coming back for its second season. You had a lot of thoughts in a brilliant editorial that you posted. It's a newsletter that you have every weekend. It's posted on ABC News as well. And I just loved your hot takes on not just the return of Kim Cattrall but also female friendships and just how kind of wrong
1: this reboot is. Where do we begin with all of this? I don't know where we begin. Look, first of all, it it would be perfectly reasonable for any uh, listener to call out hypocrite to me because while I maintain that it's one of the worst and most annoying and infuriating TV shows ever made... I have nonetheless watched every single episode. Of course, (laughs) of course. course. And and that
2: was a particular line that really stood out in this piece. But yes, I watched it all. You wrote, there was something kind of mesmerising about these women, the way their worst, most impulsive, most indulgent tendencies were simply allowed to rip across the screen and allow us the proxy pleasure of seeing the consequences of those disinhibitions play out. I thought that was
1: perfect. You actually just summed up the television series entirely. Absolutely. Well, it's sort of what it was. I mean, none of these... that's related to the characters. Well, no, and it should have been called Women Out of Control. I mean, they were out of control. <laughs> And not—I don't mean the sex. That's that's fine. they were clearly having you know much more interesting and varied sex lives than <laughs> I was at their ages. But just these ridiculous impulses. And it was—it sort of summed up for me in one. You might recall when I mention it. Repeated theme through the shows and through the movies, and even to the new re- reboot. And just like that, and we should talk about that at some stage too. Just. So badly written. So <laughs> badly written. But this line, I think, sums up this, the madness that was these four women who were completely out of control. And that was this constant comeback that you hear when someone will say, when they're called out, this terrible thing that you do. They say, But I was upset. Do you remember hearing them say that? Mm. Miranda said that. Uh, Carrie has said, They've all said, But I was upset. And it's this wonderful American sort of millennial notion of, oh well, well if you're upset, well that's fine. Then you you know dumped the man or lied or 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 what you know let us down or whatever you did simply because. You felt upset. Mm. And I think that's the that's the essence of the show for me, a whole lot of women who are upset and are therefore justified in doing a whole lot of really terrible things.
0: It's really interesting that you say that because I picked up on a lot of the stuff that you spoke about in terms of what happens with female friendships and the ghosting that happens and, of course, related very closely to Kim Cattrall and the split that she's had, particularly from Sarah Jessica Parker, and how in female friendships or any kind of friendships as opposed to relationships... We don't necessarily, if someone splits up with us, we don't then go, well, why? What happened? There's a ghosting that happens. And you even talking about that, but I was upset being the reason, it mm. speaks directly to what we were talking about a few weeks ago with Therapy Speak. Almost this sort of insular, singular, main character energy where mm. it's. My experience. My experience. Mm. And I've made a decision and I'm going to push you all away and you don't deserve an explanation. And I feel like you really tapped into that as well with the second half of this piece talking about just the, you know, the machinations of female friendships in particular and just how that
1: ghosting happens and, and why it happens, why we can't be frank and talk about what went wrong. It seems much harder in a female friendship than it does in a romantic one. And it's interesting, there's actually been surveys done on this. There was a a, a really fascinating YouGov survey that I linked to in the um, in the piece, which is the the Saturday weekend reads. You can find it on ABC online. And it showed that in a romantic relationship, the respondents were much more willing. And of course, it was the first logical thing to do was to say, well, hang on, why? Mm. Or what's going wrong? Or how can we fix this in a female friendship much more likely that will just melt away and I think because there's something there's something really confronting about the fact that you you chose a female friend in, and in a sense it's a far more intimate relationship in one way than your romantic one will mm. ever be mm. that person will truly know you and to have to explain that decision I've changed my mind is almost impossible how do you say that we're not we're not taught how to say that i don't think mm. we are very
2: evolved when it comes to being true and honest and not in the sense of i'm upset mm. but in the sense of Let's talk it out Let's shake it out We just don't do
1: that We don't get taught How to have the good argument Mm. It's interesting We always talk about The good argument In terms of our Romantic relationships And marriage in particular Key part of the discussion Of marriage And a long term relationship Is how to have the good fight You know Never go to bed angry Let me tell you You go to bed angry Always (laughs) go to (laughs) bed angry Always And guess what You even wake up angry too (laughs) Round two The the sun rising Makes no difference to that Uh, But but with a female friendship With a, a close you know really intimate connection of of heart and mind and also of uh, discussion, you know, you you download and you reveal mm. in a female friendship so much and often so much more. Never ever do we speak about the good fight.
2: Has it happened to you? Have you been ghosted? Yeah, I I think or have I, you ghosted? I you?
1: think I'm probably guilty of of ghosting actually. Mm. Yeah. And this is the first time I've ever spoken about this. Uh, and it was a very very close friend with whom I was probably too close actually for many years. Sometimes you have those female friendships too, where you look back and you go, "That was that was maybe a little." Too enmeshed for mm. a while, there. codependent perhaps. I think so. <laughs> and, uh, Life just, I think, took us in very different directions and the differences between us, which I think were there at the beginning, but lost in the first love of that female friendship, became clearer and clearer. But to my mind, and this may sound like self-justification, but to my mind, and actually through my experience, she was someone with whom it was very, very difficult to have that conversation. Mm. I'd tried before on a couple of occasions to have the, hey, that thing that happened, that actually really hurt me can we figure out how or can we talk about what happened there and it didn't work mm. right it was shut down I was like oh okay and then you'd maybe try again if you know it happened again and things would and then I thought you know what it's not going to work me actually saying can we talk about this and so I, 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 um, I sent a message and I explained you know what I was doing and I melted away. That's very kind of you. I don't know. Look, I'm sure she wouldn't say that and I'm sure others wouldn't say that either. You know, the brave thing would be to sit down and have the conversation. But to this day, I will swear to you, I don't think that would have gone very well and I think it probably would have resulted in the same outcome. I think also you touch on that in the piece too,
0: thinking about how you approach those conversations and how some people in some relationships aren't actually able to hear that, that, you know, maybe if Kim Catrall and... Sarah Jessica Parker had sat down and had that conversation that Sarah Jessica Parker wasn't able to actually absorb some of the stuff that she was saying and even the stuff in public they kind of batted about. Like it's... Sometimes you just can't
1: actually accept yeah. that, and it's and it is a bit of a dead end. I, I think so. I, I think she would have found my criticisms perhaps or or experiences as unfounded or not justified, and and uh, the defensive crouch is always such an unhelpful one. I find that's been the really big challenge. I think it is as you grow up is to is to sit there and to hear it and absorb it, as you say, Zan, and to not spend the time that you're speaking telling me about how you feel, not to spend that time. Thinking up the things I'm going to say back, mounting the defence, mounting the defence, <laughs> putting my just waiting for you to. Are you, are you finished? Okay, so what I'm going to say in reply is that's where we. That's where we lose each other, and to actually be vulnerable and to say you're sorry. Look, I mean, on my show, that's I spend almost half the show talking about that. Do they step up and apologise? Do they own it? Do they say they're going to do better next time, whether it be a corporation or an institution or an individual? And uh, it's the huge challenge in our lives too. Mm. I I think I'm pretty good at that. Having a kid... Uh, and a husband makes you very, very good at saying sorry and saying, oh, yeah, my bad, all the time. I reckon there's as a you get older things.
0: as well, <laughs> you get better at saying sorry unconditionally. Yes. I've been really noting that, just making sure that when I say sorry, it's not like, I'm sorry, and there's the excuse attached to it. Yeah, it's just but, like, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry, and that's enough. It's an unconditional, I'm sorry. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing to do and something that as a younger person I didn't do as much.
1: It's just like unconditionally, I'm sorry, I fucked up. I think that's true. I, and, and it is the most disarming and powerful thing to hear. Uh, I've had those moments where I've had to go up to my young boy and say, I shouldn't have said that. Or I, I'm really sorry that I did that. Mm. And um, you know, I, I take it back. I'm sorry, darling. And I can tell you that won't happen again. And it's just a beautiful thing to see little round eyes going, that's okay, mum.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Let's move and on. And that's a generational
1: <laughs> change too. I, I can't imagine
2: our parents of their no. generation ever saying sorry or showing because it was part of parenting exactly to show right. that you were strong, you were that, that you didn't have faults or flaws. Yeah. And and that's fine. I'm not saying it was wrong for them but I think it taught us how not to be and we've had to spend most of our adult lives trying to work out that it is okay to be flawed and that it is okay to say sorry. We talk
0: about being flawed every week on Bang On. Well, Bang On is, (laughs) might as well just call it, flawed flawed individuals. Flaws and all.
1: Flawed women out of control. (laughs) But you've heard you've heard how they've got them back together for Sex in the City. They haven't got them They're back together. together. They're not together. Yeah. We're so
0: together. how do you feel about this
1: uh, reunion? Don't, of I'm sorts. into it. We
0: don't need to. We don't need to bag it. You'll no, take no, anything, right? You'll take
1: anything with Kim <laughs> control in it. No, I, I, hey, I'm into it too, and I'm really <laughs> glad. I'm glad she's done it for a couple of reasons. One is the money must be beyond. Oh yeah, huge beyond. Good for you, girl. I mean, I'm so glad she's got nah, nah okay that that 's the figure i 'll accept mm. she 's done it on her terms don 't let me near anywhere near those bitches, and she clearly does think that they are uh, and also she 's got this massive support base around her who the whole way through uh, and just like that have been saying, Oh God, the show is just awful without you and missing you, and I think that 's true. I think mm. you really do see her absence and so she 's all got it back on her terms, nice going. <laughs> We're very excited for it. It's kicking off
0: this month uh, in June. I actually weirdly was last night just on Binge and I was watching a show and then I finished and just kind of scrolled down to see what else was on there. And on Binge you can watch live television and they just had a channel just streaming old episodes of Sex and the City. I
2: tried to watch one yesterday just for this segment to see how I felt.
0: Which episode was it?
2: Oh, it was terrible. It was the one, <laughs> Which one? We'll know. It's the one, one where she had the rooster on the roof oh, from the yes. veterinary surgeon, yeah. oh, and, 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 and Samantha was yes. having problems with. Um, people downstairs. It was the trans community, wasn't it? When she was living with the meatpacking district. It was deeply offensive, the language, all of it. It was awful. It was awful.
1: It travels so badly, that show, doesn't it, through time? I mean, there's virtually nothing in there, including uh, the representation of colour, of difference, of diversity. Mm. Short-statured people, remember, they get it in the neck as well. I mean, the writers ended up getting almost every single, you know, quote-unquote, weirdo, you know, the outsider as they saw it. They just lined them up one by one, just ticked them all off and that's the the truly offensive part of that entire series. Yeah, absolutely right. But
2: we loved it and we watched it and I still will watch it again, however it comes at me, get it in my veins.
0: Coming soon. Yeah, Two more weeks, I think. And on binge, the new one. And just like that. Uh, all of this brilliant piece that I would say you nailed it, um, maybe even say it was bang on, oh. uh, is there. Uh, I'm going to put it in the show notes. It was a, a brilliant opinion piece about the return of Sex and the City, the return of Kim Cattrall, female friendships, all of it. Before you hop on out of here, as member of the Bang Fam, I have to
1: ask you, what are you banging on about this week? What have you been getting excited by? I'm banging on and sort of being a bit of a proselytiser for a TV show, which is on On Apple TV Which is called Drops of God Oh Oh, Okay I don't know this one Okay So Drops of God Is based on a I think a 15 year old Japanese manga An adult manga And back in the day, actually maybe even a little bit older, back in the day when uh, wine was, and still is, a huge thing in Japan. Mm. So really fine wine, some of the best wine in the world, goes straight to the Japanese market. And there are people there who buy the absolute best. So this manga came from that culture of, you know, wine fans in Japan. The most important wine writer in the world dies and leaves behind the most important private wine collection in the world. But he leaves it to his estranged daughter and his most prized student of wine, and they have to battle it out in a series of blind tastings and the like in order to see who gets the cellar. It's a psychological drama. It's a family drama. A family drama about wine tasting? About wine. I know this sounds really bizarre. <laughs> if you're into wine, you will absolutely love it, even if you're not, and I'm not really, then it's fantastic just because it's beautifully shot. It's uh, uh, in, set in Japan, France and uh, spoken in three languages, Uh Japanese, English, and French. Sounds amazing. And it's really, seriously amazing. I was speaking to Rob Sitch the other day, of course, one of the creative geniuses behind Utopia. And how did we get started talking on that? Because he's a huge wine fan, and he's been a wine buff ever since he was an 11-year-old, you get it, which is hilarious. (laughs) And he said, there's this great TV show, and I said, Drops of God? And he said, yes, that's the one. So I'm banging on about that and I think you'll love it. There's some particularly French things in it where uh, Western eyes would go, are you kidding me when it comes to (laughs) aspects of this family? Uh, But the French would go, oh, yes, bien sûr, it's absolutely fine. Um, And that's really hilarious as well. But it's beautifully shot and it's a great watch. Eight eight episodes only. Okay. I love that you said that
0: because we always make sure there's a caveat at the end
1: that if it's short, it's good because we are time poor and eight episodes is great. No, you you can't commit to three seasons. No. So I (laughs) I offer you eight episodes of Drops of God.
0: Love it. Thank you. VT, thank you so much for dropping by on the 250th episode of Bang On in the oh my week God. that Sex in the City 25. S- turns 25 since the first episode aired so there's a weird serendipity going on that's with beautiful. this 25 number 250 number i am also 25 i'm so. also 25 <laughs> yeah.
2: i'm 125 so that's perfect <laughs> well, i did turn 50 last week so that's 225 there yeah.
0: someone needs to do a numerological chart on uh, what's going on um beautiful to see you and thanks so much for dropping by thank you so much for having me i love being here Nothing says new media like a funky (laughs) hit from the 90s, does it, Miff? Jamiroquai. Virtual Virtual Insanity. Insanity. Oh, my God. That's a good song. He copped it back in the day, but, gee, he had some good songs. I reckon that stand the test of time. I couldn't think of any other better song to talk about. The Apple Vision (laughs) Pro. Which is um, a new product, and this is not a tech podcast, but you know, music- oh,
2: come on, of course. We have our finger on the pulse of new technologies, uh, video games, we are gamers, we are. we are all the
0: things. Music art, life and stuff. I don't even have an Apple Watch like, Emphasis- or a Fitbit. <laughs> Emphasis on the stuff um is is why we can talk about whatever the frig we want. And we've got to talk about this because there's been so many memes and also mm. a very black mirror-esque vibe. <laughs> on the Apple Vision Pro, an augmented reality headset where you can work, you can watch movies, uh, you can do FaceTime calls... You basically bring a computer screen or multiple screens into your world through a a headset. It's not virtual reality. Yeah. What's the difference? Augmented
2: reality and virtual reality, that was the bit that stumped me. I wasn't entirely sure.
0: Augmented reality is kind of where it overlays technology, i.e. screens and apps and video games and stuff, into the world that you're seeing. So you can actually see through. And if I was wearing one right now... I could see your eyes. I could see the... Well, I'll tell you about that in a second. I like that. I like
2: that.
0: I can see the world. I can see the studio that we're in right now can but you... then I can add apps so I can have I can be looking at you and having a chat but I'm actually reading an email. Oh, that actually or maybe sounds perfect. i watching a, a it. Me in life
2: anyway. <laughs> if I'm just at home on the phone, I'm always doing something else. So this, this sounds perfect. But the eyes are the bit that got me. You have what looks like a snorkel goggle. Yeah.
0: They Essentially, are are snorkels, it's just yeah. a snorkel goggle. Yeah. Someone did a
2: very funny meme yesterday with Apple, um, whatever it's called, what's it called, headset? Vision Pro. Vision Pro. And then they had, because you know how Apple always have like plugs that don't fit anything else yep. and whatever. They had a, a snorkel pipe <laughs> for, for $700 that you could add to your to your snorkel for $3,500. It's fashion. Yeah, exactly. It's all oh, the money that people are going to be paying for this first gen vision, whatever it is, is extraordinary. Three and a half
0: American dollars. Three and a half thousand US dollars. Yeah. You know about the eyes though, don't you? They're not actually your eyes?
2: I thought they were. I thought you could actually see your eyes when you're wearing them if you want people to see your eyes. when you don't, you just get like snow.
0: When people are looking at you, they can see your eyes, but they're a digital avatar of your eyes. That's disgusting.
2: Give me my eyes. So I'm going to wear a mask if and I'm be pay that three and rude, and thousand if I'm going to be that rude to have a conversation with you while I'm wearing goggles, <laughs> give me
0: your eyes, your eyes. I guess it's like it's got to be a completely, you know, thick screen in front of it. It can't be see-through. They can't have that thing that you can actually see your eyes. Yeah. Uh, it will act as your eyes, though. So if you're looking left to right, then these digital avatar eyes will look left to right. When you, The way that you use this, and again, not a tech podcast, but I just have to explain this because I just got my head around it and it's wild and I still don't understand it. If you've got the goggles on, then you are looking, say, for example, at a screen of apps and you just look at one like Internet Explorer or... Email or whatever. So I'm looking at it. You look at it. It Opens, and then you pinch your fingers together to double click. How does it work? This is messed up. (laughs) It's sorcery. It's really messed up. Well,
2: it's wild, isn't it? But I'm into it, of course.
0: I don't know how I feel about it. I know it's coming, and I know, like AI, it's already here, and Mm. all of this stuff is inevitable. So you know, just can't wait. I'm like, I'm laying down. (laughs) I'll, I'll walk all over me. Future, technology, virtual insanity, I'm here for. Me putting up a fight is not going to make any difference. This is the world that's coming. But it does, this augmented reality does raise the questions of... How much of the world you decide to shut out, and we already do that with our phones. Mm. You know, when you're on your phone, not just as you're all of your attention on your phone, but you do sort of feel like the world's closing in. I don't know if you've ever been on your phone. Like sometimes I have. You forget where you are. You forget where you are. Absolutely. Your spatial awareness is screwed. Every time I use
2: it, I'm out, gone.
0: Yeah, and you. No, like back. (laughs) Well, when you know you're stressed and stuff, and I'm like trying to write emails while I'm running to the train station and all that sort of stuff, and you sort of when you pull yourself out of that, I really notice. I'm like, I come to, and I'm like, whoa. That's right. I'm in the world and there's traffic and there's people, Mm. but you're fully like mentally zoned into that Mm. phone. So this is taking it to another level, but you're actually able to shut other people out completely visually. And I don't feel that great about that, this isolating and this continual Mm. isolation of individuals. Yeah. Again, main character energy, what I choose to serve me and I don't care about the rest of the world this disintegration of any sort of idea of connection and community, I don't. It doesn't sit very comfortably with me.
2: Part of me is into it though. Can you imagine at work? Like you know, already everyone because they've forced us into open plan. <laughs> already everyone's got headphones on because no one can do anything because it's so noisy. Yeah. And you know, some person comes along, some annoying person comes along, and you know, hey, how's your day? And you're like, I'm busy, and and you put your headphones. on. Can you imagine, the goggles? How good, you just sit there with a grey haze over your eyes all day, (laughs) headphones on. I'm kind of into that, kind of into that because what has happened is our workspaces especially have been made to be, they've been dehumanised essentially. They've kind of forced us into situations where we're supposed to use our brains and think independently and creatively and all of those things at work or just get the job done and yet they've kind of, whatever's been going on in terms of um, employment structures and that sort of thing, they've decided that we need to do it around everybody and that's not the case. But human beings don't work that well under those circumstances and it's starting to come true. So this this is kind of the eventuation of that. It's like I will shut the entire world out simply because you fuckers have made this world really difficult to actually do my work. <laughs>
0: it not have to be that extreme, though.
2: I know. I kind of like it, though. The isolation sounds nice.
0: Away from, <laughs> away from work environments and play environments, mm. there was a video with the launch that kind of gave me the ultimate creeps. It was a dad filming his mm. kids with... The headset on because it can do like 3D video, and the way that it was pitched was, and completely unironically, no joke, it was like you can you know create these videos later to to be immersed in that memory. So like again, it's this dad who's like, oh, I really want to remember this, but in the moment of capturing it, he's completely disconnected from the kids, not playing with them, just filming them playing, and then watching it later. Um, I feel like we're
2: already there,
0: though. And like, the kids are us. looking at this this dude with his goggles on. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my dad? Where that's are you, not realized, his eyes, Dad? <laughs> it's eyes? Up. Who
2: needs them? Well, we've just found out there's a crocodile that is re, um, reproduced with itself harking back to ancient dinosaurs I'm sorry, day, what? dinosaur days. So it's like we're going so far in the future and then so far in the past. A crocodile is just giving birth to its own baby without having sex. What? And that comes from a, something that's happening in the dinosaur, in its ancient dinosaur innards. I don't know, don't don't talk to me about science. But it's almost like we're going from the ancient past to the horrific future—we're we're really in a time
0: right now. And stuff, as I mentioned, and oh, stuff, music oh, art life, and stuff, and
2: the UFOs too. Have you <laughs> read oh, You've
0: God. Been reading about ba- that? Bang on two fiftieth. This is where we let you know that we are taking a distinct right turn mm. in what we talk about. No, no, everywhere. no. This is
2: mainstream news. This is actual <laughs> mainstream news. Look, you can go and look that up in your own time. I'm terrified for us. <laughs>
0: I'm excited. That's all I'm going to say. Apple Watch is also going to start tracking your mental health. How do you feel about that? what? Yeah. Is that true? It's just data, though. You tell it how you're feeling and then it can serve you curated ads on how to make yourself feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I see that you visited Liverpool. Here's a local therapist in your area. (laughs) Oh,
2: she's free, 4 o'clock Thursday. I'd actually appreciate that, actually. There's been some times i would needed somebody to point me in the right direction, someone who can help.
0: One thing did pop up though, which I have mixed feelings about, and um, you and I, I think, can both, uh, and everyone, everyone of the Bang Fam can really relate to this. Over many, many years, we've tried to say fucking, and our iPhones have said ducking. Oh. No matter how many times we correct it, that autocorrect just throws it back. The new AI powered upgrade on iPhones is reportedly going to get rid of this feature, or at least iron it out, so those autocorrects go away. How do you feel about the magic of autocorrect and the truths <laughs> that I can sometimes tell about what we may not have intended but what possibly lies deep within? <laughs> Our phone's translating us, for us. Well, my name, and I will miss this, I get so
2: many text messages that say, hello, mud. <laughs> um, that's autocorrect doing its, doing its magical work. Um, but yeah, I won't miss ducking at all. I will not miss. I think it made me actually swear out loud so much more by trying to avoid the word as I was typing. But I'm terrified of this change because frankly, I can't spell or write anymore (laughs) without autocorrect. Every message I like I'm typing, it's a different word entirely to the one and it seems to work me out. So without it, I'm going to be lost. Completely lost. You're like, gonna
0: have to reskill on your spelling. I know. I to get you into some spelling bees. Yeah. Oh,
2: let's see how we go on that.
0: I'd be useless. I think I'd be about grade
2: four standard now. How would you be? I mean, we none, we haven't worked with our own brains for a good on good nine on twenty years. There'll be now. some
0: AI that irons it out in the way that it's you know correct the things that need to be corrected and not correct the things that uh, that has been correcting it incorrectly. See, I that can't even sense. speak. I can't even did speak. Did you have a favourite word? Get some AI on that sentence. What <laughs> happened there? What just happened? Did you have a favourite
2: word that it used to autocorrect?
0: I weirdly had this thing where, and it was so stupid because it was one time that I wrote, I've got a friend called Evett, mm. a friend that I haven't spoken to in years, but oh. a very old friend, not in a bad way, but just no, like I know old, old friend. Say? But no, <laughs> every time was. I try to type every, it would say, it would change it to Evett. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Oh. Evett, Evett, Everett. Evett, if you're listening, Is this- you are part of my phone every day <laughs> to this day. And
2: Evett's going, my name comes up on the regular. You still haven't texted. What's going on?
0: <laughs> maybe my phone's saying, maybe throw him a text. <laughs> throw him a text. It's been a while, Zan. <sighs> anyway, technology and stuff. And things.
2: <laughs> no, I look up, look up the crocodile. It's amazing. I don't know the science behind it, but apparently it just... It was a virgin birth.
0: I don't think that AI is ever going to be able to supersede bang on" because nothing can predict exactly what the hell we're going to talk about every week. No,
2: that's true. <laughs> we've 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 kept ourselves in work with this. <laughs> we cannot be replaced by AI. <laughs>
0: Oh man, it is our 250th episode. We love our bang fam. We love banging back as well and every week um in the bang box, the email inbox that you send your lovely notes to, people will often send little messages around, you know, what they're keen on us talking about, shows that they've seen, films that they've watched, books that they've read. Keep that coming, you know. Bang on is a two-way street. We love our community, you guys are amazing. We love reading your emails and we love reading your reviews as well when you drop them in the podcast app. So thank you for those. But if you ever want to have a chat, um, the bang box is always open. As soon it. as I started that sentence I knew. No, I'm not even <laughs> I'm not even going there. <laughs> the email's in the show notes. <laughs> and I'll read that email out for you now. It's bangon.podcast at your dot AU. It's a long email, so find it easily in the show notes. Mm, mm. Um, Before we get into what we're banging on about this week, a heads up, we are going to be talking about Succession, a little reminder, after we do this. But what are you banging on about this week? I am banging on
2: about a beautiful documentary that was on the ABC on Sunday night and I... I'm a good friend of Tim who made it but it, I think it's fabulous it's called Designing a Legacy oh, yes and uh, it's just gorgeous and brilliant and I want you all to watch it because I think what what Tim's proposing is uh, that we've we've now gone beyond just placing the way that we live on the Australian landscape that things are changing and we're starting to actually appreciate the landscape for what it is and creating buildings and monuments that that suit that landscape and and lead towards as somewhat of an identity to this country, um, if talk as we move towards the future, and I've I just loved the first episode. It was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I love architecture, so that that helps. But I just think it's it's beautifully shot. There's some fabulous buildings and and some great ideas being thrown around about how we live and perhaps how we might live in the future. And I I just really really enjoyed it. And my brother did the music, so I'm a bit, I'm a bit close to it. But uh, I watched it and I just thought, oh, this is. This is the stuff we need.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful show, and it's uh, for anybody who doesn't know. Tim is Tim Ross. Oh, sorry, did I not say his surname? Tim. I just um, called him Tim. Tim, but he's <laughs> you know many people would know Russo as one half of American Russo, That's right. who were on Triple J Drive for a couple of years, done millions of things after that. Um, I've seen both episodes because oh have you? Tim's actually going to be joining me to take five in a, a week or two around this show, and I've asked him to take five with his legacy, so that should be fun. But yeah, the the show is beautiful. Like mm. I love the way that Tim talks about architecture in a way that everyone can understand. He, he's a very, um, for lack of a better word, everyman about mm. it. You know, he makes it really open. And I also love that he celebrated demountables, also known as portables, portables here in Victoria. <laughs> I was like, dude, they're portables. <laughs> something that i never thought would be <laughs> celebrated on an architecture yeah. and design show but here we are yeah but it's um it's wonderful and i think that, that that conversation around building with the landscape in mind and reflecting the landscape is particularly pertinent when we're thinking about The housing crisis, how buildings are designed and how buildings are designed in, you know, um, city and suburban areas where they are just built right up to the fence, aren't they? It's Mm. kind of just like chocked in. There's not a lot of space for trees. In fact, trees are cut down. These are sort of barren spaces. It makes, from a geographical point of view, places a lot hotter, you know. Mm. There's all that stuff keeping in mind. It's like this is how we live. It's not just... A roof out of over our heads, but mm. it's a larger idea of how we live and how we live as communities. And also what we're going to leave for future generations. What we're going to leave, yeah. So it's really um, fascinating show on so many levels. Yeah. And really shot beautifully, and the music is great. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I'll tell Kit. Tell Kit. <laughs> tell Kit. <laughs> Love it. What are you banging on about? I'm banging on about a book, one that I listen to. Um, it is an audio book, but it is in paper form as well. You've written... been gardening again. Yes, I have. <laughs> Oh, my God, I pruned the shit out of everything before the cold sets in. I know.
2: When you've got an audiobook <laughs> recommends or a new podcast, I'm like, you've been gardening. This
0: I is did totally. <laughs> listen to half of it. I pruned prune for hours yeah. on Sunday. Um, it is by Curtis Sittenfield, who some people would remember wrote that great book, Rodham, which was about... Hillary Rodham Hillary. Oh, Clinton, yeah, yeah. a fictional book imagining what would have happened if she didn't get married to Bill. So she's a fiction writer, mm-hmm. she's a great writer, and her new book is called Romantic Comedy. And it is a romantic comedy with all of the frustrations and joys of romantic comedies. Will they, won't they? Why aren't they talking to each other? Can't they just tell each other how they feel? All that. But the setup for it is the main character of Sally is a writer on a show called The Night Owls, which is like a Saturday night live show. And the love interest is a guy called Noah, who plays the musical guest and host for that week's show. They meet while they're writing skits and kind of hit it off. And he is... Some people have sort of talked about him as being like a John Mayer type, as in he's had this one big hit and he's got a lot of other songs, but people know him for this big hit. That's Your a bit, body is
2: a wonderland. Exactly. It's a bit creepy. Right. That's okay. a bit
0: cheesy and okay. creepy. Um, but he is actually quite talented and there's more than meets the eye. But that's some people think about it as that. But um, anyway, it's the story of them meeting and then not quite telling each other how they feel. And then two years later in the pandemic, an email conversation happening and then it all kicks off again. And it's just fun and lovely. And I loved the bits set in the Saturday Night Live show because just talking about writing a show and all the things that go into turning around a live Comedy skit show every week, and everything that happens with that, I found really interesting. Mm. Obviously, she'd done a lot of research, um, and I was in that world. That was kind of my favourite part of it. And it was just delightful. Yay! A great book to prune to. Pruning. Pruning recommends. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah. So good. Is it time for this? Spoiler alert. Oh, the last time you're going to hear that for a while, unless you rewatch the whole series. Succession wound up one of the most acclaimed dramas of our time. Peak television, prestige television. Amazing that a story that's set in so many boardrooms, helicopters, private jets, sad yachts, uh, but very much all about the script and the incredible performances. It's just taken the world by storm and you Mm. finally finished it. I finally finished it a week
2: after it actually finished for everybody else and I think this is how a television show should end. Before it gets old, which it was starting to, I have to say, that whole idea of, you know, the family turning on itself due to their dysfunction um, was starting to get a little bit old but they, they wound it up at the perfect time and they wound it up with... It was an extraordinary ending. I mean, I thought the funeral episode was enough. That was watching them navigate again the diplomacy of trying to do this deal, whatever this deal was, same deal just with different people as every other freaking deal. And yet here they are at their father's funeral and I thought this has got to be enough, surely. But no, they took it one step further and um yeah, the finale was fabulous.
0: It was really nice. I thought in the final episode to see the kids enjoying each other's company for one short mm. moment. I realised I hadn't seen any of them smile or look joyful for weeks, for episodes Ever. upon episodes. Really, I can't even remember the last time. And it was the scene in their mum's compound in mm. Jamaica where they've decided that I've already given a spoiler. Alert, you yeah. know what's happening. They've decided that Kendall is going to be the king, mm. um, and they're in. You know, he's going to be the the succeeder. successor, successor, successor. <laughs> It's all right. (laughs) And they are in the kitchen making a disgusting uh, blended king's meal Mm. and they're childlike and they're laughing and they're joyful and I was like, oh, my God. It just felt like the shoulders kind of relaxed a little bit because it's just been so pained and stressed um, and angry and mean for so long and even though I've said it before and I'll say it again, I don't care about any of them and they're all awful and I don't have any sympathy. It was just nice to see them kind of enjoy each other. But those final scenes with three kids in particular, like, just phenomenally shot television, you know? And I was watching Kendall as he walked off into that spot, I'm guessing lower Manhattan, where he's kind of looking over the water. And he's obviously devastated. I was thinking to myself as I watched that, well, you did succeed your dad because you both focused on power and winning at any cost mm. and you ended up alone. And if you think about those, one of the scenes in the the last season was of Logan Roy at his birthday party and he's surrounded by people he doesn't care about, none of his family is there and he's all alone, he's mm. isolated. And Kendall just ended up as, as the same kind of person. Mm. So in a weird twisted way, he was his father's successor but in the worst way possible.
2: Yeah, because he didn't have any booty to show for it. It got taken away from him. At the last minute.
0: And his family gone. Like they just were like, no, nah, get away from us. And mm. he just isolated himself from his, you know, not just his brothers and sisters but his own family, like his his children and his ex-wife.
2: What do you think Shiv's motivation was for voting no at that moment? Because I think that's something that I I wasn't entirely sure of. I think people have their theories as to why she did it, whether that be because she's decided the worst of The best of two bad options is being on the side of the father of her future child, or her brother, who is clearly so dysfunctional at this point that you know he's lost his humanity. I mean, denying that he killed or was part of the death of that weight of the caterer Mm. in that chapacritic style, you know, car accident. In, I think it was the first series or the second series? It was series. early
0: on, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, where it was he, like Len Landry killed someone in Friday Night Lights and it was never <laughs> resolved. You're like, are they going to resolve this? <laughs> he killed someone.
2: Yeah, and remember that scene in the dirt at the other wedding where he was crying and he said he killed him and then he just said, no, I didn't. Yeah. So, you know, like she's kind of gone for the lesser of the two evils. But I still don't really understand her motivation, um... Yeah, not clearly anyway, which was kind of nice. It was not spelt out, but entirely it's not all tied up in because a because Tom said he didn't necessarily want her. Remember, mm. she offered to be back in a relationship with him, but Tom said, "I'm not sure." So yeah, it's um, I-, I was left with a lot of questions at the end of that.
0: I don't know the answer to that entirely either. I saw her face and Sarah Snook incredible acting, obviously throughout the whole series, but in the last s- season in particular, just you know, blew it out of the park, and you can see her just kind of like there's something that flicks in her brain when her brother denies being involved in that death. And she's just any sort of trepidation she's had, any kind of confusion, it's like, I can't this I can't this can't happen. I can't let this go through. And also maybe just an exhaustion from the bullshit, knowing that this is just gonna keep on going Round and round and round. They're just mm. gonna keep on with this stupid family bullshit and maybe this is a chance to step out. But that's i a good I, point. Maybe that's a chance to actually unite the family. I don't know if she cares about that. I don't no, think they like I think, each other. No. But they did. We saw that scene where they were all
2: together having fun. Yeah. And laughing. You know, maybe she made the decision to have her family.
0: Well, she says in that moment, I love you, but I don't like you. Yeah. almost saying the same sort of words. I don't think you're a good person. Like, I can't stand you and be around you. I love you, though. So it's this – and that kind of love goes deeply, doesn't it? Like, Logan Roy clearly loves – well, not clearly, but does love his children, but obviously doesn't mm. think much of them at the same time. No. You know, there's not a lot of respect there, a lot of, you know, connection and and uh, commitment to, to them. It's – um they're very fucked up relationships
2: the whole thing was so dysfunctional the <laughs> entire television show was one of the most dysfunctional things i have ever watched it was very primal the whole show was tapped into a really primal nerve i think when it comes to families and roles and who has rights who doesn't who's seen as the the top dog who's seen as the you know the lowly kind of bringing up the rear member of the family and in that way it was quite fascinating. I think everyone could tap into something in the show and that's probably why it had such a broad appeal.
0: And just such base manipulation as well. Mm. If you think about Tom and Shiv, Tom Wamsgans, who is the successor, Mm. he's the CEO, but he's a cipher. So he basically goes to Madison and says, I'll do your bidding, Mm. whatever you want. I'll cut costs. I'll do this. I don't care. I'm a cipher. You use me. Shiv exploited that, remember? Mm. She used him in the same way. And in the end, that exact trait is what led to his betrayal of her. So the exact reason she made use of him, Madison did the same and Shiv'd Shiv. And I just thought that was just so brutally poetic Mm. that all the ways that she had trained him, manipulated him and used him was exactly her downfall that was what he used against her because that's what he, whether or not he was always that person or whether she shaped him to being that person and took advantage of him, he stood up in front of Madison and said, I can be that person. And that's what led to her losing her spot as CEO. And I just thought that was poetry.
2: A friend made the point too that she only turned around and respected Tom once he started treating her badly, which is essentially what her father would always do, yeah, and it's that kind of. If if you if you know anything about psych, psychological theory, it's you you repeat patterns,
0: and you see that with her mother in the last season as well. You're just like, this is gonna, the cycle is gonna continue. They all see that it's an inevitability, though, mm. that is crushing to them. Ultimately, the scrappiest of the bunch were the Victor's Tom Whamsgans and cousin Greg. <laughs> I the love two who Greg. had no entitlement, really. Tom a little bit more, but they were this absolute scrappiest. They chased, they fought, they did awful things. They were shameless, and they were shameless. And Greg still has those photocopies of the cruise liner. Let's not forget, there's a reason that Tom's keeping him close. He's got insurance, but yeah, they were the scrappiest, and they got through. And um, to the victors, their spoils. I say, mm. what an amazing show! So so good. So thank you for finishing it. Good to have a chat. Good to be part of a succession tech, tick, tech TikTok. Really, it's my it's my <laughs> <Bang> natural <on. laughs> it's my natural place.
2: I think we should redefine this as a as a. I mean, we might get a few more ears on it,
0: babes or, and stuff, or fake eyeballs and stuff covers us and fake eyeballs on it. <laughs> next week we'll be talking about <laughs> AFL football and rugby league. Just watch. No, I'll see you next week for two fifty one. Love you. Love you too. Bang. Hang on.